Sooners Extra Podcast. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chickens, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wad sauces. Drive through your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Exactly. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And uh, Abby, our strange, strange spring of uh, with college athletics and, and really the world in general continues. And we were able to uh, chat with Lincoln Riley for the first time since all of this stuff happened uh, on uh, Tuesday afternoon and and what was your main takeaway from from what Lincoln Riley had to say um I mean we kind of covered a variety of things so I had a lot of takeaways but I think that my biggest takeaway is that um OU football like everyone else uh around the country is adjusting to and figuring out what it needs to do um to kind of keep going in this new way of life that we're all living in and for them that looks like I think like Lincoln Riley said, looking at a screen almost all day, whether that be in video conferences um, with coaches or with players now that they're allowed for two hours a week or FaceTiming or calling recruits or things like that, um, but that they're kind of adjusting to and figuring out how to how to handle what's going on, just like all of we are. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think the adjustment was was the main thing and but also it was the looking forward to to next season and mm-hmm. uh talking about how much preparation was needed in, in order to to start a season on time or to get a season started if they were told hey you know you can you can start prepping how long it would take and i think it was less than probably a lot of us thought that he said 15 or 20 practices and we'd be good to go that it was mostly a conditioning thing at that point that you know yes the product wouldn't look to the trained eye as a a late season football game would look or even a a normal season opener would look but he said fans would still enjoy it it would still be the essence of the game and that they could uh could get started that quickly so i thought that was interesting in the, the middle of all this stuff changing that uh, just the level of optimism there that a season could be played. It might not be played on the same timeline that we're used to. You know, we'll see how quickly this thing is able to get under control. I still remain optimistic that we'll be able to start the college football season as normal in September, but at the same time, uh, you know, making those contingency plans. Otherwise, I, I thought that that was a, a, a really hopeful sign that uh you know even if things don't go on the timeline that we hope that maybe we'll be able to see some college football uh this season after all yeah i i too try to remain um optimistic as much as i can i'm just a natural optimist i think but i also think to go back to the point about um 15 to 20 practices i mean at first when he said that i was like wow that doesn't that doesn't seem like a lot but then i mean you can't like then I guess I had to remind myself like these are guys who were already very good at football and now they just kind of have to get used to playing together and up to the like the the rigor of I think is even the word that Lincoln used um of the college game um and so I don't know I think that 
I definitely see how that's doable. And like you already mentioned, it might not be as clean as uh, coaches or like or players or fans would want it to be. But I think by that point, um, and like Lincoln Riley himself said, by September we're all gonna we're all gonna need football. And I don't know. I just think I think that that's right. Yeah, I, I think that uh, there's no doubt that by that time of the year, and hopefully we've had some baseball by that point, to, and and some other things. You know, maybe some some major golf events can be played. The NBA season thing. that's supposed to come back. Yeah, we'll we'll see if that happens. I'm I'm not as hopeful of that as I am for for some other things. I'd love to have uh you know the NBA basketball season finish, the NHL hockey season wrap up. Um, I think those things are a little bit more in peril, but uh, you know, certainly by that point, people are going to want something like a college football season uh, to, to focus on rather than all of this stuff that's uh, going on right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing uh, that I thought was really interesting that Lincoln talked about was um, early enrollees and the the effect that this kind of whirlwind has had on them and how he said that, you know, um, he's proud of the way that they've responded, but definitely um, knows they're a bit disappointed that they didn't get to have the uh, spring season that they, that they left high school early to have. Yeah. I I think that those guys uh, really, um, their heads are sort of spinning right now. I think is the way that, uh, that, that Lincoln Riley, uh, referred to it uh, the other day because they get on campus and and you know spring is is a tough time for them adjusting to college and, and then the difference uh, from high school uh, that 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 brings and then you've got practice and conditioning and sort of the carrot at the end of that is spring football that gets you back to being sort of normal and uh, they only got the one practice before everything uh came crashing down and uh, I think what Lincoln Riley said is everybody looks forward to it uh, to only get one practice and then to have to get off, off the field it's it's disappointing um, he said they've they've done well they've handled it well both the disappointment of not being able to continue with spring football and also the changing academic structure that this thing has brought uh, to, to those guys that they've handled it well but it is a big change and, and I think it's a you know, different for, for every player, but certainly for those early enrollees who hadn't really settled into, uh, you know, that, that normal college routine to have it, uh, you know, the, that, that cart shifted once again is, is really difficult. Yeah. What do you think about um, the impact that this has had on recruiting? I mean, obviously, I don't know. I know that there has been an impact, but obviously OU hasn't slowed down too much, you know, getting a commitment earlier this week. And Lincoln Riley said that they're working around that too. But I mean, just, he also talked about how, you know, the biggest difference is that they can't have players on campus. And we all know how big of a recruiting event the spring game is, just how much and I mean, obviously, no one is having their spring game, so it's an e- it's like an even playing field in that sense. But how big of an impact do you think not getting the time of these 
camp of these campus visits, how much of an impact does that have on recruiting? Do you think? You know, honestly, I think in the end, it's clearly going to change the dynamic of, of this recruiting cycle. But at this point, I'm not sure that that's going to have a big uh, impact, either uh, you know, positive or negative, one way or the other, uh, on the recruiting cycle. Just because everybody's sort of going through the same thing, and, and there wasn't, you know, a, a lot of guys who have been able to go on campus. There, there wasn't this rush of visits. I think if it, if this thing would have happened a couple weeks later. And it starts going, uh, you know, cutting sort of in the middle of spring games. Then I think it makes a, a much bigger difference. I think now with the timetable of when it hit and when things got shut down, I think it sort of leveled the playing field. Yes, it's going to be difficult, and yes, there's going to be a lot of making up to do after this thing, both for the coaches recruiting wise and also the the recruits themselves trying to find homes. But um, I, I think at this point, everybody sort of at the same place, uh, which is a little bit different than the NFL draft model, which it was sort of cut right in the middle of where you had some schools that were able to have their pro days, including OU and some schools that, that weren't, uh, that are going to be even more affected by this than anything. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see what changes the NCAA makes to the recruiting calendar. Once they start uh, being able to move forward, we obviously won't know that for quite a while, but uh, it, it's going to take on a different look. And I think you also could wind up seeing many more decisions made in February than in December because of this. A return to the original signing day. But yeah, I think that that makes um, uh, whatever the season looks like when it when it gets going, um, I think that makes those those fall visits probably... Uh, even more important than they already are. Um, but you mentioned the uh, uh, the pro days. I mean, I guess how big do you think it is for OU's players that they got um, they got their pro day in kind of right, almost right under the wire? Yeah, I, I think it's big. And I, I think it's important for especially – it's important for all of the guys, but I, I think, you know, the one that sort of stands out to me is Parnell Motley. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write about this for the Oklahoma and here uh, uh, coming up probably next week that, you know, it, it's become so much more difficult for uh, players who weren't invited to combine to get drafted because of what happened in a typical year. I read this uh, uh, and I wish I knew off the top of my head where I read it. I've got to find it for the story, but um, that typically about 40 guys who don't get invited to combine wind up being drafted in the NFL draft. This year, uh, a scout told this reporter that uh, it, it could be about 10, if that. There could be even less. So the combine's importance gets magnified when you think about the strong showing that Jalen Hurts had at the combine, the really strong showing that Kenneth Murray had at the combine before tweaking his hamstring, C.D. Lamb, strong showing there. Those get magnified, and those guys are in pretty good spots. But, uh, you know, guys like Parnell Motley and and Neville Gallimore, although he showed out pretty good on speed, there's still some agility things that he needed to show uh, at Pro Day, and I think he he made a positive impact in that regard. So I think that's going to be important for those guys that are uh, certainly Neville Gallimore is going to get drafted regardless, but Parnell Motley especially, 
um, that that pro day was really big for him that they were able to have that versus some of these schools where they weren't able to do theirs. But uh, we're going to take a break right there on the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach Pete. We'll be back uh, on the other side of the break with some more uh, football talk, some non-football talk, and uh, maybe some movie uh, discussions as well. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Jackson. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And, uh, you know, Abby, we'll talk a little bit more football before we move on to other things. But one of the biggest things that came out of uh, Lincoln Riley's uh, conference call with us on Tuesday was uh, the fact we finally were able to ask him about Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. The last time we talked to Lincoln Riley, Trey Sermon was still a member of this team. We saw him walking around at, at Pro Day. Uh, with with some of his teammates that cer- certainly soon after that became former teammates when he announced his decision to transfer Trey Sermon to strides to transfer to Ohio State. Um, what do you think about what Lincoln Riley had to say about uh, Sermon's transfer? You know, I thought that um, what stood out to me the most is just how Lincoln Riley kind of seemed not sorry not sorry is the right word but I guess um I mean he said hated the way that it ended for him at OU you know with uh the injury that he suffered uh kind of in the middle of the season that ended his season and then before that um Lincoln talked about how he knew that uh Trey Sermon was a bit frustrated with uh his lack of carries um especially early in this earlier in the season um and I mean, Trey Sermon was someone who had been um, kind of a big part of OU's run games at times. Um, I mean, I I could be wrong, but uh, as I recall, his game against Ohio at, at Ohio State, um, his what was that? His freshman year um, was a pretty big one, and so he's done some pretty um, important things for OU. Helped them a lot at times. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, Lincoln seemed, Lincoln seemed, I guess, upset at the way that it, that it ended, but he also said that he, you know, respected the decision and understood, um, and understood it. And, you know, he also talked about OU has been quite the beneficiary, beneficiary of the transfer portal but the portal flows both ways. Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I think to, to lose Trey Sermon, I think especially early in the season, um, is going to be difficult for the Sooners. Mm-hmm. You know, assuming that the suspension to Ramondre Stevenson doesn't get changed and he has to sit out the first five games of the year, that uh, that's going to be, be a big impact. But at the same time, he realized that Trey Sermon needed more carries, wanted more carries, and uh, sort of saw the writing on the wall that the best place to get those would be somewhere else. Because in Lincoln Riley's system, and we've seen this since he arrived, that uh, it's not a one-back dominant system. That uh, You always have multiple guys getting uh, splitting up those carries, and we saw that with Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon on on down the list with uh, 
you know, all the guys that they've uh, brought in since then, Rodney Anderson, Kennedy Brooks, certainly Trey Sermon uh, being among those. And, and uh, Trey Sermon wanted a, a new start, and he's got that. Uh, Lincoln Riley certainly wished him well at Ohio State, and that'll be interesting to see how that flows. But, uh, Abby, let's move on to some non-football talk a little bit. And the NCAA's ruling earlier this week that – uh, spring athletes would be able to get their year of eligibility back. Their seasons, uh, in most cases, had just started. We're talking about uh, a, a few sports, but especially baseball and softball in there with those. Um, but they also closed the door on, on winter athletes getting a, a, any eligibility back, which is, uh, I know, disappointing for, for uh, a lot of coaches and even more athletes. Yeah, and I mean, um, I saw uh, someone, I I can't remember who it was, but I saw someone tweet uh, that they thought that winter sports athletes still deserved the option, and I know I saw Lincoln Riley quote tweeted and Maggie Nichols quote tweeted, and they both liked it, and so I mean... You know, I think it's... I I think it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, Kale Sanderson, the great uh, wrestler. Yeah that it tweeted that initially yeah yeah i believe that's correct um but you know i feel like winter sports to me seems like a hard call because i think the ncaa's point was that the regular seasons were already over um and so yes the post seasons are incredibly important that's what teams are playing for all year round that's the point of the regular season um but I don't know, just to to disrupt all of um, the college basketball timeline and everything like that, and, and with other winter sports too, you know, they were very deep into their seasons as well. Um, I don't know, just winter sports seemed like it was always going to be a really hard sell, but spring sports, to me at least, seemed like a really easy call. I mean, softball and baseball hit, were like a- about a month in and had not started playing conference games yet. Um, so I think that, to me, this this all happened the way that I kind of always thought it was going to happen. I don't know about you, Ryan. Yeah, I think for me, too, I, I think you talk about well, first the, the spring sports athletes um, they didn't get uh, much of their season at all. They hadn't started conference play. Uh, they had only played, uh, you know, in baseball's case, and I think in softball's case, about a third of their season, maybe a little bit less. That so they weren't able to to get that full experience. I think, uh, you know, certainly that was an easy call to make uh, on there. Um, the winter athletes. They played most of their season, and, and most of them were, were either in the, the postseason or wrapping it up. I know, you know, when you talk about basketball, they were in conference tournaments, uh, women's gymnastics. Um, they had one more regular season meet before they began with their, their postseason. And, and as disappointing as it is, I think allowing those athletes to come back uh, would have opened up uh, even more cans of worms than allowing the spring sports athletes to come back because one, they got those seasons in for the most part. And two, 
this isn't going to affect just this one class because if you allow those guys back, and this is going to be the same thing for baseball and softball and golf and other sports, but at the same time, um, I think in those cases it's spread out over these classes um, where there would have been some level of effect anyway in the the winter sports areas. As difficult a decision as it is, um, bringing those guys back would have affected the next class, those those freshmen coming in and and even non-freshmen that would have been able to have uh, playing time, for instance, you know, the Balter, who's, uh, you know, the sixth on the rotation for OU this year, who, who would have uh, had to sit out if Maggie Nichols had a year of eligibility back. You know, uh, the, the, the player who would have played in, in Christian Doolittle's spot had he been allowed to come back, things like that. And, and that, that effect goes on and on down the line as those guys redshirt, sit out a year, and, and things like that. I think it would have affected things for, you know, the next uh, six or seven years and even beyond that, really, uh, although it gets a little bit less and less every year, um, you could live with that effect in the spring sports because of how little time that they got. But I think it was uh, harder to live with that with the winter sports, especially when you think about the financial cost to these universities. And I, I know we all say that those, those guys should get a chance to play and get their scholarships back and things like that. But at the same time, Somebody has to pay for that, and right now with the virtually no revenue that's flowing into college football and college athletics, that uh, it becomes much more difficult to, to be able to justify that, especially these sports that in a lot of cases are, are losing money already. So it's uh, there's no really good answers, but I think that they came up with the best answer possible in, in, the, in light of the circumstances. Yeah, I think so too, and I know – um, I know on the softball end, um, the last time we talked to Patty Gasso, which was before this ruling, but I don't know why it wouldn't still be the case, um, that she said then that if it were to come down the way it has, that she expects all three seniors, uh, Shane and Sale, Sale, Giselle Juarez and Nicole Mendez, um, all back, uh, next season. And I mean, she was kind of already planning on ways to get Nicole and uh, Giselle back, even if this didn't happen because they were both battling or recovering from injuries for much of the season. So either way, I think you would have seen two of the three OU seniors back. And also though, to Patty's Patty made a lot of good points when we talked to her. Um, But one of them was that, you know, if this happened last year, she would have uh, had a lot more issues to deal with um, than she would just having three seniors come back, two of them in the bullpen. Um, but she predict she predicts uh, that the uh, the transfer portal will light up like a Christmas tree because of this. And I think it'll be interesting to see um, if that prediction comes true. Because I mean, like you talk about, you talked about Ryan with winter sports, you know. Um, people having to sit out behind, uh, you know, if Maggie Nichols or Christian Doolittle were to come back, you know, that's that's still going to be the case in some winter sports. Um, only only nine people can play on a baseball or softball field at a time, but the rosters are a lot deeper than that. So uh, I think that, you know, 
you talked about uh, the ramifications this will have for years and years, and I think that we we will see that in some way, shape, or form in the spring sports for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. But like I said, I I think that those are a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. in those sports because of how short those seasons were cut versus uh, the the other ones. And uh, so yeah, it's difficult. There's no really good answers to it. There's a lot of people that are getting hurt through this thing, uh, you know, in in a lot of different ways. But certainly. Uh, college athletics as, as well. So uh, we're going to take a break there. We're going to be back uh, for for the final segment to, to talk about other stuff other than uh, OU football. Abby and I will talk about our uh, why I love sports profiles, maybe get into a little bit of uh, movie bracket talk as well. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zach. Extra podcast powered by the Oklahoma and brought to you by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And, and Abby, during this time when there's been uh, no uh, on the field sports to talk of, we've had to be creative as sports writers. And, and one thing we've done, uh, let's start off with uh, a short conversation about this. Maybe we'll talk about it here more in depth. Uh, in a, uh, another edition of the, the Sooners Extra podcast later. But the, the movie bracket that you put together, and uh, we're down here right at the end with some some surprising ones uh, in the Final Four with Field of Dreams, uh, Hoosiers, Remember the Titans, and Rocky, and uh, a, a couple of number one seeds there with Remember the Titans and Rocky, but um, Field of Dreams, a five seed. I'm going to say it's it's overseeded there to five. You were the one who said to seed it at a five. Well, I, the reason I said to seed it at a five is because I thought if it's a five, it can fall victim to the five uh, twelve upset in the first round. Um, I grew up actually liking Field of Dreams, but the more and more times I watch it it becomes sappier and sappier to the, I mean, to the point of, uh, not being, you know, in my top 10 favorite baseball movies, there are a lot more, I mean, to me, Bull Durham and, and league of their own or, or, you know, in the league of their own, um, among baseball movies. And, and I think major league is, is right there with them. But, uh, what have you thought about the way this thing has played out? Um, in that realm. Well, first of all, let me tell you, Field of Dreams took down both Bull Durham and a league of their own. Um, I initially set it up against a number 12 seated Angels in the outfield because I wanted to, as an experiment, to see which the better baseball ghost movie was. Um, I, I don't, don't think agree. Angels in the outfield had much of a chance in that uh, that matchup, but it was a good idea. Yeah. Also, well, to me, it's angels in the outfield, but I also, I don't actually, I don't know if I was a kid at the same time. Joseph Gordon Levitt was a kid. I don't know. I'm young. That's the point. Um, I, I would think <laughs> that you're younger than that, but like, I want to go back to the field of dreams point a little bit yes. more. Like 
who says let's have a catch? Like, nobody talks like that. Even back then, <laughs> nobody talked like that. It's let's go play catch. And you can forgive it in a song where rhyme matters, where, where the, the meter of a line matters. You know, you think about, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen's glory days, talking about another baseball reference. When he talks about a speedball versus a fastball, you know, you can sort of understand why that, that phrase winds up being what it is because it works in the song. There was no reason in Field of Dreams not to say, let's go play catch. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, no, but in terms of how this whole thing has worked out, um, I mean, I think that, you know, the in the initial round, we got a ton of participation. So thank you to everyone for that. Um, in the second round, it kind of fell off. But since that round, every round has subsequently um, gotten more and more responses. So that's, first of all, I don't know, been... Um, heartening to see uh, and by the time you listen to this podcast the final four and championship rounds will still be open for voting um, unless you listen to it like a couple days later in which case then you can go to the oklahoman.com and see or oklahoman.com and see who won um, but as the person who put together the google forms um, who gets to watch the results come in as they come in because occasionally I check to see like how many votes it's gotten. Um, it's been fun to kind of watch uh, the the battles between some of these movies. Um, like Hoosiers and Sandlot at some points were in um, like a 50-50 tie in the Elite Eight round. And that went back and forth for a while until Hoosiers kind of started to pull away um, and eventually won. But uh, it's, I don't know, like, for me, at least, it's been fun to watch how close um, some things are. Um, and, you know, I think it's also, especially in the initial round when it first came out, um, sparked a lot of good conversation um, on social media. Uh, some some people just, I think, like I mentioned on a previous episode of the Sooners Extra podcast, some people uh, adding me about the seating um, it's hard. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I've seen all 64 of these movies, but also, I mean, we all have different tastes. There's things that you think should be a number one seed that I don't really care for and things that I think should be in the field of 64 to begin with that other people might be like, no, it should be this other movie. So there have been so many sports movies made that, first of all, it was even hard to pick 64. Um, but I think that, you know, my initial thought process behind this um, was we can't watch live sports right now, but um, let's come up with some ways to talk about... Um, you know, other forms of sports media that people can be consuming at this time to kind of fill that hole, um, while also uh, combining the March spirit of a good old bracket. So I think that that kind of did happen. I know it made me put some movies on my list to watch during this time. I hope that did for other people. Um, but I also had friends and even people on social media say that they went through the bracket with their family and kind of filled it out and had had a fun time doing it and really enjoyed it. And so that was kind of the point. And I hope people enjoyed it. 
Uh, I enjoyed making it, and I hope we can do more fun stuff like this during this time. Yeah. Well, let's just make this segment all about this, and, and we can go back and, and talk about our Why I Love Sports segments uh, You know, a little bit later this month, probably. It's not like we have any time limitations at this point. That's true. But, uh, Abby, what's your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a really... I think probably remember the Titans um, just because of how, how classic it is and how great of a movie it is. Um, but there are a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of sports movies that I would probably put on before like a Rocky or something just cause that's, that's not my, that's not my kind of movie. But um, I, I think I think remember the Titans for sure. That that's a good one. I would have to go with Bull Durham uh, at number one. You know, I talked about my disappointment that he got beat by Field of Dreams. Uh, Bull Durham is a fantastic uh, baseball movie. Has some great characters there. Nuke Lelouch, who was the the uh, moniker for the Lelouch region of the uh, March Madness sports movies bracket, um, Crash Davis, obviously, and on and on down the list. Uh, I think it was, uh, was a fantastic movie. A lot of great lines there. The, the lollygagging scene, you know, I think about that ESPN commercial a few years ago. It's been more than a few years ago now, but when they mimicked uh, some, some famous sports movies, they, they did that scene in the, in, uh, uh, in uh, Bull Durham, I thought that was fantastic. But you know, the more and more I watched it, and I watched it a couple days ago uh, again, League of Their Own is right up there. Oh yeah, uh, with that movie, uh, just great characters. Tom Hanks is fantastic as Jimmy Dugan, based on Jimmy Fox in that movie. Um, you know, Gina Davis's character, obviously, but, uh, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell on and on down the list, some fantastic lines in, in that one as well, especially from, from Tom Hanks. You know, you talk about, uh, the, the scene with there's no crying in baseball, but, but also, you know, some of the other, the back and forth, especially with Rosie O'Donnell's character in that one, just a fantastic movie. That one is, uh, Abby, have you watched any of the ones in this bracket that you hadn't watched before you came up with the bracket? And if, if so, what were your impressions? And if not, you know, what are what are some of the ones on your list that you haven't seen uh, that, that you want to see? Yeah, well, first of all, as I pull up the original list so that I can better answer your question, because truly I cannot remember all 64 movies at, the, at this moment, um... Uh, just to go back, uh, just to talk about A League of Their Own for a second, I um, played, I'd, I don't know if I've mentioned it here, but anyone that knows me knows that I played softball um, like my entire life growing up. Um, and so I, my travel ball team went on a lot of like cross country road trips and I swear we watched A League of Their Own on almost every one. And so it also is a great movie, but I think that if Remember the Titans and A League of Their Own 
were both on TV and I had to pick one to watch, I would probably pick Remember the Titans just because I have seen a league of their own so many times in my life that not that I don't want to see it again, but I it do, it's it's not immediately like, oh, I must rewatch this because I've I've seen it so many times. Um, let's see. I don't think there's nothing that I uh, have that I watched since doing the bracket that I hadn't seen before. Um, just because I've been I've been really bad during this quarantine in terms of finding new things to consume. I just keep rewatching. Because all of your time has been spent watching the Tiger King, right? Yes. Well, first of all, I mean, I obviously have watched the Tiger King, um, as almost everyone in America has. Um, but I, uh, I don't know, but besides Tiger King, I've just been rewatching things that I find comforting. Um, but I started watching Game of Thrones, which I had never watched until this. So I'm just a couple episodes in still really early, but, uh, that I figured, you know, it's been a long time. It took me a while. I didn't start watching either the wire or breaking bad until they were off the air. Why not uh, jump in with Game of Thrones now? Um, let's see. Well, that that's a good point, first of all. Um, but some movies that I haven't seen that I now want to see are um, Breaking Away, just because I was listening to a different podcast the other day, and they randomly brought it up, and I was like, oh, that's a movie that was in our bracket. And the people on that podcast said it was really good, so I was like, hmm, um... Okay, I've seen Stick It before. I lobbied for Stick It to stay in the field of 64. Um, but I plan on rewatching it during the quarantine time because Stick It is a classic and I feel like not enough people on our sports desk appreciated it when we were putting this together. Um, I also... Uh, I mean, really the, it's the, given me a long me. rewatch list because there's a lot of movies that I've only seen like once or like think I've seen but probably haven't seen all of. Yeah. The the one for me, as you continue to look down the list, I haven't seen Foxcatcher. I, I, I really want to see that. I've heard fantastic things about uh, Steve Carell's performance in that. And obviously there's a lot of Oklahoma connections there with, with Dave Schultz and uh, that, that story of uh, John DuPont's craziness um, during that time as it relates to wrestling. So, uh, that that's probably the one that stood out to me. I've seen most of the movies on this list, uh, the vast majority of them. Um, for some reason, I never saw Creed, which uh, has one of my favorite uh, actors from The Wire, uh, Michael B. Jordan, in it. Um, so need to see that one. But uh, Foxcatcher is probably the one that really stood out to me as something that I, I really need to watch. Okay, I found it. So... When, all right. when we were putting together the field of 64, everyone had given all of their like nominations and stuff. And I mean, I had like started with a base list and we had added to it. And so we wound up with it like, I think it was like 75 teams. And I was like, okay, we need to come together as a group now and cut 11. And I was on the phone with my dad while this was happening because we had cut like nine or 10 and we were looking for one more. And... Uh, someone emailed 
um, that we should cut Slapshot. And I said that out loud to my dad, and he was like, do not do that. If you, I, Which would have been absurd. I would have thrown a fist. Yeah, my dad was like, if Slapshot remains in, I guarantee you it will make it to the final four. And I'm sorry, Dad, it lost in the second round, but... Well, Slapshot it was in a elic- bad matchup. That's that's fair, but Slapshot elicited a lot. Oh yeah, it was against Rocky Four. Um, Slapshot that elicited- actually, well, uh, was against Rocky Four. I think so. Oh wait, no, no. Slapshot. Oh wait, no. Slapshot lost in- to the Natural. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, in the first round. Which yeah, that that had to have been. First of all, Slapshot was way underseated at number 11, but that might have been the toughest pod when you talk about 14 pods in the NCAA tournament. That was a pod with the natural Slapshot, Pride of the Yankees, uh, which I think people forget just how uh, iconic that movie is um, with, with the, the, the Lou Gehrig speech in it, fantastic performance from Gary Cooper. And Friday Night Lights. That that might be the the, the toughest fourteen pod uh, in, in this field. Yeah, I think that's right. But then, before I could even say what my dad's response was, going back to that email chain, someone else was like, "Absolutely not, Slapshot cannot stay in." And someone was like, "I've never even heard of this movie." And I mean, I had heard of it, but I have never seen it. So because of the Who strong Slapshot should not stay in. Th- those people need to be called out publicly. I will tell you. It was um, Oklahoma State writer uh, Jacob Unruh and our very own Barry Trammell. Yeah, Slapshot's a fantastic movie. The Hanson brothers putting on the foil, old-time hockey. It's it's great. Now, I'm admittedly biased being a hockey guy. I actually know somebody who wrote a book on Slapshot, which I have the book. Um, but it's a, a fantastic movie, and you need to watch it, Abby. I will. I will put it uh, at the top of my list. It's the second best hockey movie uh, ever. I assume the first I, is Miracle. Course, uh, well, I was actually going to say the first is Cutting Edge. Oh, but I was. It was. It was a joke oh, okay. because Miracle is a fantastic movie, and, and Cutting Edge is not a great movie, but it's sort of one of my guilty pleasure movies. And it's really not about hockey; it's about figure skating, but. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a good one. For sure. It's a good one. I tried. I tr- I tried to sneak Eddie's million dollar cook off into the bracket, but that wasn't going to work. But that one's not really about baseball. That's about telling your dad you'd rather be a cook than play baseball. So the plot, yeah, the plot uh, of High School Musical before High School Musical happened. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, a little bit difficult to to sneak that one in, especially with so many. Uh, great films but yeah it was uh, an early cut anyway uh we're we're gonna wrap it up there we'll be back next week to talk uh probably one not one of the most uplifting podcasts we've ever had as we talk about the the spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and how it affected uh uh, not only ou football and college sports in general but uh oklahoma city and and the, the nation as a whole uh you know an interesting look uh i thought at that but we'll be back with that and then we'll uh, talk eventually uh, at some point about abby and i's entries into the why i love sports series hopefully get some uh, ou coaches to uh, throw in their uh, uh, 
options there as well. So thank you so much for joining the OU uh, podcast, the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Uh, you can, if you have any questions, we'll answer those. We'll take time. It's not like we've got, uh, any restrictions at this point or, you know, much of anything definite to talk about. So you can reach out to me at email, R-A-B-E-R at Oklahoman.com or on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Abby? Um, I'm actually incredibly busy right now, Ryan. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I am also free for questions uh, at Abby underscore Bitterman on Twitter and a Bitterman at Oklahoman.com through email. Yeah. So uh, reach out, ask us questions. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast. Once again, presented by Zaxby's. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best. So you covered it.